you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to open them up to, to Psalm 107, uh, and then we're going to turn them on to, uh, it's the top, very right, it's called House Lights. There we go. Hey, you're not in the dark anymore. That's good. Uh, Psalm 107, and then if you want to put just a finger in uh, Psalm 1, we're going to be there uh, toward the end of our, our time. Now, we are... Uh, by my count, this is our fourth week uh, as we've been traveling through Psalm 107, where the psalmist comes in and is calling the people of God to worship together as they respond to the incredible truth of God's goodness, uh, namely his, his steadfast love. And in fact, I said this last week, uh, what we have is really... 43 verses in this psalm consist of just one verse of instruction and then 42 verses of encouraging us and reminding us why we can put this instruction into practice. Uh, now, the way we've kind of broken this down is is we, we open with Psalm 1, uh, verses 1 through 3, uh, where the psalmist essentially says, Give thanks to God because He is good. And then we said, okay, well, why is he good? And the psalmist will say, because he's the God whose love doesn't give up on us. Uh, doesn't. No matter where you are in life, God's love does not give up on you. And so, so he, is, he says he's redeemed us from trouble. He's gathered us in from lands. And, and what's followed is, is really these five case studies uh, for... Uh, why we can respond to God with thanksgiving because he doesn't give up on us. And, and the psalmist will take us through, uh, like I said, five groups of people who lose something important. Uh, and now some will be because of their own folly, some will be because of circumstance, and then some it will be just a, a little of both. Uh, but, but, but they will find themselves in a place of hardship, in a place of despair and and they will cry out to god and and what we find time and time again is that god delivers them and we've been building like each week on on why this psalm can mean something important to us today in fact uh we've been building on the the psalm so that we can join the psalmist in a proper response to who god is and and so, so far, we've, we've said really two things, and we're going to say our third thing today. Uh, that, that number one, from verse nine, uh, this is why God is good, that, that he satisfies the longing soul. Uh, and that the hungry soul, he fills with good things. That, that every longing that we have in our life is satisfied by God. Uh, now, again, uh, this scene that was described then were people who were walking in desert places, they were looking for a city to dwell in, and they couldn't find it. Uh, but yet, when they cried out to God, He delivered them, says He leads them in a straight way, so that they find the longing of their souls. And then in verse 16, we saw last week that, that He destroys the barrier and He breaks the chain. And, and now, the intention of this psalm is to draw us and to woo us toward worship, but, but the path that is taken, uh, just to be honest with you, it's a hard one, uh, because we have to go to places that we all want to avoid. 
Uh, and we, we, we have to go to places that when we're there, we're trying desperately to find anywhere else uh, to be. And, and though it's a hard one, uh, because it reveals these places that we're tempted to travel towards, which can never satisfy. They can never meet our, our deepest needs. And so week one, uh, I'm sorry, week two, we went to the desert waste. Uh, and, and then last week, we took a drive through um, pretty much like a dungeon. Uh, we'll call it Dungeon Boulevard, because that sounds cool, right? Uh, no? Okay, I'm sorry about that. Um, but both places led to despair and hopelessness. Uh, again, places that we don't typically, when somebody says, hey, how was your day? And you're like, oh, well, I just lived in despair again, you know. Uh, we, tr- we tend to avoid those kind of descriptions and, and how our day went. And, and so, so we've been mindful along the way of identifying uh, by, by asking, do these places describe seasons of, of our lives? Either in our past or, or our present, are we currently in a desert space? Uh, are we currently in the shadow of death and the darkness and the affliction and the bondage? Uh, and then hopefully, uh, some of us will, will read what the psalmist warns us about in this psalm, uh, and, and will, it'll serve as this warning of, of future places to avoid. And now, now these three, first three in particular, the third one we'll be in today, are the result of, of a heart that is simply searching and believing there is better life outside the provision, the protection, and the presence of God. Okay? That... That's what the psalmist is being very honest about. It's what God, all the way through the Old Testament, has been very honest about. Like, hey, when you decide to try to do life apart from me, you will find yourself in a place that you don't want to end up in. You will. Um, and so, so, so then what we have to do is uh, we have to, to be patient. We have to listen to his patient warnings uh, to return to him, to... to uh, to follow him, and then eventually what we get to deal with is, is his willingness to remove, uh, I'm sorry, let me say it this way, um, what, we, what we're dealing with is when God says, hey, when your heart is mine, you have my protection, okay? But when you decide to do life apart from me, I will remove that protection, and I will leave you to your own devices. And so what we find in this psalm are people who are simply at that point, and then they come to the end of themselves. And so, so here's where we are in uh, verse 17. We get to meet a third group of people. And the group says this, verse 17. It says, Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities they suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Okay, so, so here's, our, here's our group of people we get to hang out with today. Sounds like a really fun group, right? They're like, dude, I want to hang out with those guys. They seem like they have it going on. Um, I'll give you this disclaimer. Uh, if this is your first time hanging out with us at Merge, um, we want you to know that you're not being singled out this morning. Uh, we didn't follow you around town and decide you're a sinner. Uh, and then we crafted this message just for you. 
Uh, we like to believe here that we are equal opportunity offenders. Uh, and so uh, we've arrived at verse 17 today because we stopped at verse 16 last week. All right. Uh, and so those of you who are like, what? They believe people are sinners? We do. Um, and so we're, we are going to talk about... Uh, we're going to talk about sin for a bit this morning, okay? And, and it's not in a way of, of making you feel guilty, uh, but, but only because it's going to reveal something powerful in regards to God's love for us. And it's going to reveal something beautiful about his willingness to redeem and restore us when we are walking in repentance with him. And so, so, so we talk about sin so that we can talk about the greater focus of God's movement in our life, okay? Okay, so, so here's where we go. Uh, these people are fools through, the, through, the, through their sinful ways. Now, now, we could be honest about how these people have arrived at this state, right? And, and, and being considered fools, right? We don't, it's explicitly written. These people are fools because they are walking in sin. These people are fools because they're walking in sin. They've, they have chosen to do life apart from God. So everything that comes as a result of that is based on this decision. Like, God has told me how to live, and God has shown me how to live. And when I choose to live contrary to that, the, the, what I experience in my life is drastically different. In fact, Proverbs uh, chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, so, so we've, been, we've been talking through really this theme for a couple of weeks now, that, that God has given them his word, he's given them his instruction and promises, and brings with them these promises of what life looks like when their hearts are his, and then what results when their hearts turn inward to seek satisfaction outside of his ways. And so, so the, the historical connection, we've said this each week, uh, 107 really lines up well uh, with the Israelites' uh, captivity in Babylon back in the Old Testament. Uh, but, but there's this great connecting theme in our lives, too, that this psalm brings in that the same promises apply for us. And, and then the same temptations to do life apart from God is, is still in play, right? We, don't, we can be honest enough and, and be spiritual enough today to say there are times in my life when I am tempted to do life contrary to the ways of God. Uh, and so now, now God is loving towards us because he chooses to be loving towards us. That's something we need to understand. That when God gives us his word, it's an expression of his love for us. And that expression of his love for us is because he chooses to love us. Like, like there's never a moment that, that he is forced to love us. But, be, but we need to be careful for how we understand these moments when, when reading the Bible as to why he calls us toward holiness. We need to be mindful as to why uh, he calls us toward holiness and then, uh, and then calls us to, to be in this world where we fight the temptation to sin. Because God is not doing this in fear that you might find something greater than him. Okay? Because he, know, he knows you won't. That, that he exposes sin 
and he exposes its inability to bring lasting satisfaction because all that sin can do, number one, is bring death. And then number two, it'll never deliver on the promises that it's trying to make it by. It'll never be able to. And so, so sin, at best, is a knockoff. And the danger we wrestle with is settling for the lesser and expecting it to do what it can never do. So when, when God says, hey, I, I don't want you messing around with sin, and I want you to do life uh, the way that I've told you to do life, it isn't because he's keeping you from greater freedoms. It's because he's saying, at best, it'll still fail you. At best, it will not satisfy you. Though you want to think that it, that it can. And so God has told us in his word uh, what is good and what is pleasing and all that's available to us when we do life his way according to his standard. And, and again, we, we said this a few weeks ago, that, that if we are, okay, now if we are believers in, in Jesus, we live in the, God's kingdom, okay? Now I think there's, we could, we could play this argument out that the kingdom of God is near regardless if you want to acknowledge it or not. But we said this a couple weeks ago that, that, that if we're going to live in God's kingdom, that means that he is the one who gets to be in charge of setting the tone and the terms of the kingdom. Right? You don't walk in and say, you know, hey, I, I found a more efficient way that I would like to do life. Um, and I know you have said it to do it this way, but I think I'd rather go this route. We don't get to do that. And so, so, and I think the longer I, I walk with him and the longer I spend time in his word, I, I discover these two powerful purposes that, that, that he displays his glory so that those who are far from him can come near to him in Jesus. And then, and then how he lavishes those who are his with his love. That's what he does. Like he brings us peace, that he brings us through conflict and through turmoil he gives us joy that's better than happiness because it's not fleeting he gives us a purpose for for why we wake up each morning to to live a life for the glory of his name and so so he's a he's the heavenly father who says nothing can compare to what i can to what i bring into your life because nothing can can truly compete with me so, so these people in, in verse 17 are given a description and they are considered fools because they are choosing to live in their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities, they suffer affliction. affliction right? So let's, let's stop for a moment. Let's talk about that term iniquity. Okay? If you were hoping for a little bit of Bible dork today, uh, I'm going to give you just a little bit. All right? so, so when we read the Psalms especially... Uh, when it comes to sin, uh, there, there's, there's typically two descriptors, okay? Uh, you have transgressions and you have iniquities, okay? And now it's important when we read the Bible that we would understand the descriptions of both because these aren't like an either-or. This is really a progression towards. Uh, and so, so what we have here, especially in, in this psalm, is, is when we talk about a transgression— it's simply this, it's essentially a willful disobedience or, or a trespass. Uh, in fact, it, there's this danger 
in and of itself because this is a, it's what we call a sin of commission, right? Uh, I don't know if you ever heard that term. There's sins of commission, then there's sins of omission. Uh, omission is like I didn't really know that was a sin, uh, but, but a commission is I'm committing that sin. And so underneath this umbrella, you have a transgression, and, and a transgression is something you don't, you don't stumble into it, okay? Uh, a transgression, uh, you, you look at it, you examine it, you consider it, and then you choose to engage it, right? We know what God's, that God says to avoid it uh, because he has something much better in store for us, but we still do it regardless. And then as a transgression progresses, it becomes an iniquity. And an iniquity is this, this it's a progression of a transgression that's left unchecked. Uh, iniquity is to continue in sin really without repentance. Right? The, the danger is that, that it leads to this state of willful sin with no fear of God, and you just, you just don't care. You're like, I'm in it. I'm in it, and I like it, and I think I'm just going to keep doing it. And when it's fully bloomed, continual iniquity leads to, to unnatural affections, and it leads to a reprobate mind. It really does. In fact, I think um, a, a decent spot to kind of see this played out in the Bible uh, is 2 Samuel chapter 11, uh, where, and it's, I think for most, it's a familiar uh, scene where, where King David uh, finds himself wrapped up in a, an affair with Bathsheba. Uh, he sees this woman. In fact, in fact, what seems like an affair really quickly results in the murder of Uriah, uh, Bathsheba's husband, uh, and really just the beginning of a lot of bad Lifetime movies. That's what it is. Uh, that, that at the beginning of it, there's really no evidence uh, that David thought to himself, you know, I feel like killing an innocent man today. Maybe I'll look for a lady who's bathing outside. There's no indication of that. But yet, that was the progression that he found himself in as his sin went unchecked. And, and, and so he moves from this affair to now uh, she's pregnant to, to now let's try to cover this up to, to now there's nothing we can do. Let's put Uriah on the front lines and let's withdraw the people from the back. And once he is dead, then my sin is covered up and nobody knows. And praise God for rising uh, for raising up a prophet willing to step into the throne room and say, what you have done is devastating to the heart of God. And then we find David being offered a path toward repentance. But let's, let's narrow our focus back to, to verse 17. Some, some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities, they suffered which they do not really think, which they, they did not really think would be the result, or else surely they wouldn't have attempted it, right? And isn't that, isn't that the, that's the hardest part of sin? Because it looks so attractive, so long, then eventually it just falls apart on you. And you say, if I'd known I would have ended up here, I would have never walked down that road to begin with. And so, so they don't think it's really going to end this way, but it does. 
they believe the lie, and now they're suffering. And in verse 18, it says something interesting. I, I, I found this interesting. It says, they loathed any kind of food. They loathed any kind of food. Now, now I, I've, I've thought long and hard, because I think this is an interesting and a purposeful phrase. Uh, and I, I've spent a good amount of time pondering on why the psalmist would draw our attention to food here. And, and my best guess is that it has something to do with our appetites. That, that these people lost their appetite for life, and they started to loathe it. So, so here, here, here were people who were on the other side of this temptation, and, and they've lived it, and they're realizing that they've been duped, and they, they cannot find satisfaction they believed was promised apart from God, and now nothing tastes good. It's all bitter. And now the issue was it was always bitter. You just didn't know it. They were gluttons and now they, they hate what's resulted to the point that they drew near to the gates of death. Again, how was your day today? Well, I'm just drawing near to the gates of death, right? Now take note, because this is the only place that sin can take you. It is. It's the only place. And though it may appear fun for a season, sin cannot, <coughs> excuse me, deliver on the promise it makes for lasting satisfaction because it's always an appetite that will either make you a glutton or it'll be, it'll, it'll cause you to be one who's eating poison that's laced with a thin candy shell. And there are times I think we understand this, and there are times I feel in my own heart this tug to believe those lies, that, that sin leads to death because it cannot make life. It cannot. And so, so their taste for the things of this world ran its course, and now nothing satisfies them. What an incredibly depressing and despairing place to be. And now they really have only two options, right? That number one, they can, they can keep looking for satisfaction, although they seem to have given up here, right? Or number two, they can turn to God. Okay? Now, if you've been following along, you know, we're, we're kind of in a Brady Bunch episode, right? Where there's, there's, an, it, there's an issue, right? And then right before the episode's supposed to end, the same kind of thing happens and it all ends up good. All right, guess what? We're going to be there today again. Right? Verse 19 says, Then... And I love, I love that the psalmist gives us this repetition uh, all the way through. He says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He sent out His word, and He healed them and delivered them from whose? Their destruction. Their destruction. Like, like, these people are leading themselves to their own destruction. And yet God delivers them. He heals them, delivers them. And, and I've loved this verse these past few weeks because it serves as a beacon of hope for the hopeless. Right? You can always cry out to the Lord in your trouble. Not, not after you get yourself out of that trouble. Right? Not, not after you, not once you get your act together and you get the new haircut and, and everything looks good. But, but whenever you are trapped... And no matter how empty your appetites have become, 
you can cry out to him, and he promises to respond. And this has been the theme, right? This has been the theme. The psalmist wishes that we would know this about the goodness of God's great love. He is attentive, and he is present, and he is willing to move on your behalf as we turn our hearts to him. So verse 20 is beautifully powerful as it shows us what he did for these people who are, who are at the gates of death. He sent out his word, and he healed them, and he delivered them from their destruction. Their destruction. See, they, they were the covenant breakers. God didn't, God didn't lie to them. God didn't change the rules of the game. He's been very open, very honest, just like he is with us. But he says, these people who were covenant breakers, and all of they were the ones who are to blame for the circumstance they find themselves in, God moves in their direction because he loves them, and the same applies for, for us. It does. And so, so let's, let's add to our building block, right, um, for, for why God is good and, and why we should be able to give thanks to him for his steadfast love. So, so, so he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Two, he destroys the barrier and breaks the chains. And then today, from verse 20, he heals and he delivers us from destruction. And I think there are many ways that God sends his healing. And uh, in, in this instance, the psalmist tells us he sent out his word, and his word uh, became the healing agent. Uh, and, and I think for that, it kind of draws my attention uh, to Psalm 1, uh, which will be your homework assignment this week. We've been doing it the last couple of weeks. There you go. Uh, Psalm 1, spend some time not just rifling through the psalm because it's not that long, uh, but spend some time living inside it and contemplating and meditating on it because the psalmist will ask this question. And I love, I love the fact that Psalm 1 starts this way because it sets the tone for all 150 psalms. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither in all that he does he prospers okay so so here we're shown this path to blessing okay so you say how do i live a blessed life and the psalmist says well hey dummy just read just pay attention to what's being said here he says it comes a blessed life comes when we line up our lives behind the word of the lord that it comes with a willingness to not just reluctantly do uh, life God's way because he tells us to, right? Uh, the, the way that a lot of our kids will do stuff around the house just to avoid being grounded, right? And if you're a kid, you know what I'm talking about, right? And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. And I think too often that's the relationship we believe that we share with God, that as long as I just do the stuff that I'm being asked to do, then he'll get off my back and I won't be grounded. And that's, 
That's, that's a gross misunderstanding of his heart for you. Rather, what we have is a willingness to do life God's way because we trust him and we believe he truly does have our best interest at heart and he can provide for us a life with adventure that we can't imagine. That's, that's the life he offers. That's the life he offers. It's a life of lavishing. And this is why uh, verse 3 is so important for us to ponder and meditate on because it says he is like a tree planted by streams of water and as long as the roots have access to the water, the fruit is produced and the leaves do not wither. Is, is, is that because it's a really strong tree? Nope. It's because it's attached to the streams of living water, a fountain that'll never run dry. Never. And so, so, so this is the promise that God makes us, makes to us, available to us when we plant our hearts alongside His. He says, when you plant your heart alongside the trees of my word, you will find sustenance and protection, and you will find my providence in your life. Over and over and over again. Then he comes in, verse 4. Since the wicked are not so... But they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And that's all. That's all of it. That's why I told you don't rifle through Psalm 1 because it's over. So, so I, w- I would encourage you to live a few days in Psalm 1 this week. Because there's a lot there we don't, we don't have time to get into. But the psalmist makes this great distinction about how anchored we are in life when we live according to the Word of God. It's our, anchoring, it's our agent of anchoring. That, that when we choose to live according to the fools who through their sinful ways uh, suffer affliction. And, and, and now what, what you, we need to understand is, is what's important to note is that the fool at this point is not beyond hope news that's great news because here they are and they're like i'm on death i'm at the gate of death like you can't get much further there's 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 so many times in the bible guys when when people will literally be what they think is at the end and as low as they can be and yet in that moment they cry out to god and he responds That he's not vindictive. He doesn't look at you and say, well, I told you so. The way that we would be tempted to do with some of our friends, right? Maybe the best thing they can do is just suffer a little bit longer. That's not what happens. This group of people, they look at him and they say, God, we're without hope. Will you save us? And he says, They're not without hope. You're not without hope. Let's start wrapping this up. Verse 21. We'll get two more verses here. So the psalmist, as he's kind of been doing, he snaps us back, right? He brings us back to to really verses 1 through 3. He says, let them thank the Lord for his hest love, his steadfast, his loyal love uh, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And he says, and then let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. 
and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. So now we ask, well, what's a proper and a fitting response to the love of God? And the psalmist says, well, if you will just read what I just said, you can have an answer. Proper response is that we would offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, and then we would tell others of his deeds in songs of joy. So God is good because he satisfies the longing soul, the hungry soul. He fills with good things. God is good because he destroys the barrier and he breaks the chains. God is good because today he heals and he delivers us from destruction. And now the battle and the temptation of sin, here's what I know. It's pervasive. And it's unrelenting. Right? Like I, I don't I don't wish to get up before you today and be like, ah, sin's not a big deal. Because I, I get it. Like, we, we understand how difficult it is. And, and I don't intend to stand before you today and just say, hey, stop sinning, and then dust my hands off, say, hey, we, we handled that today. Uh, first church in town. If only we'd have said that a long time ago, right? Because we feel the tension in our hearts. But, but I will say this, though, that, that our battle in choosing sin and choosing to do God's, doing life God's way is very much a matter of faith. And faith is a matter of trust. Okay? That choosing to do God's, do life God's way is a matter of faith and faith is a matter of trust. And, and it looks to Him and it asks this simple question. Am I willing to trust you more than I'm willing to trust myself? Am I? Like when you say these things to me and about me, and you do these things for me in Jesus, do I believe that I can trust you more than I can trust my own desire to seek satisfaction apart from your way? Because here's, here's, as I grow up, what I dealt with as a 14-year-old just coming to Jesus is very similar to what I deal with today as a 41-year-old walking with Jesus. But it always comes down to this. Am I willing to trust Him more than I'm willing to trust myself? And there's honest moments that I have that I'm like, oh yeah, I'm an idiot, so I don't, I don't trust myself to do much of anything. And yet you have a Heavenly Father who has said, I have never failed you. I have never lied to you. There's not been one moment of your life that I have not been aware and near to you. So for some of us, we get to this section in this psalm, and we like we don't. I don't have to live as a fool in my sinful ways. I don't have to. And my plea to you is that you would trust in Jesus, and and that as you trust in Him, you would trust less in yourself. 
And I get that runs counter to our world. Because the world says you got to be able to, you got you to gotta bet on you. And maybe in some ways you do, but in a lot of ways you don't. Because if you're like me, you can be a pretty idiotic Christian. So. Our desire this week is to love God by... wrap up and make a couple things available to you. If you need prayer, we want to pray with you. Maybe you do have a besetting sin that is just wearing you out. We want you to know that God offers forgiveness. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. We know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's how God brings us into a lasting relationship with Him. There'll be some people over here on this side that, that would love to pray with you. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you move in our direction. We pray that we would be the kind of people who just love you because you love us first.